going on everyone this is zach back here with another episode of clutch crew sports and here on today's episode we're going to talk about the winners and losers of the nfl draft aaron Rodgers is in the news and also let you know how our teams did and talk about some of the big quarterbacks in this draft it's going to be a draft centered episode hopefully you guys enjoy and now let me introduce you to the rest of the crew What's going on, guys? This is Eric, your ranting co-host here. Glad to be back in another episode. Glad my Jaguars did not mess up and do something dumb like not picking Trevor Lawrence. Uh, excited to officially have him on the team. And obviously, I'm ready for next season to be here. But since it's not, we'll talk about these drop picks and what we thought, guys. Hope you enjoy what is going on, guys? It is Connor, the co-host with the most, and uh, not the most fantastic draft in the world for my team, but, you know, I still think we did a good job. All the analysts think we did crappy, so, you know, I've been having to read about that all week and see, like, oh, the Steelers, they were, like, the worst team in the draft, and blah, blah, blah. You know, I don't think we're the worst. I think we did okay. We definitely weren't the best, but we definitely weren't the worst either, which, you know, we'll be talking about that here in a little bit, so, but I'm excited to talk about this, and uh, you know, talk about other topics as well. Uh, Nate, you, <laughs> you might have uh, had yourself muted. Oh dear, Nate, this is oh, not the time for this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, no, sorry, my uh, headset audio cut out, so I couldn't hear the uh, couldn't tell if Connor was done yet, but um. Yeah, um, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see that I made a slight adjustment to my uh, slides and my profile picture on Twitter. Um, a little bit more, I'm warming up to the idea of Mac Jones being the Pats quarterback of the future. I'm excited about the draft they had uh, last weekend, and I'm ready to talk about that and uh, all the other stuff going on in the NFL. This is the first time I'm seeing that picture, Nate. <laughs> it looks so funny. Uh, with yeah. Mac Jones's head on Jarrett Stidham's body <laughs> on the <laughs> wow, okay, <laughs> yep. Um, all right, so yeah, kind of like we we mentioned in the intro, this this is going to be all about the draft sort of an episode, and that's where we'll kick things off with the NFL draft. By the way, thank you to everybody who came out and supported the live stream. We had over seventy viewers on that. That was a lot of fun. We all had fun interacting with you guys and going through the draft pick by pick in the first round. It was a lot of fun, and hopefully we'll do it again next year and uh, for the 2022 draft. But starting off, guys, with the draft winners, we wanted to pick four winners and four losers uh, to cover for the for the draft. And obviously, you know, before everybody gets all up in arms about this. You know, they have to play first, obviously. This is just our predictions on this dra- on these draft classes. You know, they have the chance to prove us wrong or prove us right. But uh, going coming out of the draft, we think we know which teams are the best and the worst. And we'll start with the best with the winners. And the first team up here, the Cleveland Browns. So, Nate, I'll let you talk about why the Cleveland Browns came out of this draft as winners. Yeah, so I think all obviously all four of these teams had a pretty good uh draft here. I think the Browns 
Um, I think overall it's got, you know, better at I don't know, a lot of different positions. I think um haven't really been able to dig into their late-round picks yet, but... Um, Ooh, <clears throat> sorry. Um, I don't know. I think that. Um, oh shoot, sorry. Having a look. All right. Uh, I I guess oh, Nate's having go. some. Oh, there you're, you're oh, back. You? Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. Hopefully this doesn't uh, keep going the rest of the night with the audio. But I think I've got it um, okay. going now. But I think Brown's got some pretty good value. Uh, in my opinion, they got um, didn't really have any high picks. Obviously, they've turned around, turned things around, so they're not picking the top ten like usual. But I like the the pick um, of Newsom out of uh, Northwestern. I think they got a good cornerback there to go next to uh, Greedy, Willi- Greedy Williams. And I also like that. I think they got some value in the second and third rounds. Um, they had Jeremiah. Always got this name. Uh, Wosu Koromora uh, fall to them in the second round, which we all had him going pretty high in our mock drafts. So I think that's um, not sure why he slid down so far, but I think that's a good uh, value pickup there. And then I also like they got Anthony Schwartz uh, out of Auburn. I know he's not probably the most complete guy in this draft, but um, I think he would have had a lot higher draft stock if they had the real combine this year, just because the dude can. Uh, fly. He's like a four-two-four-three kind of uh, forty guy. Um, big track star out of high school. So I think you know that's another piece of their offense to kind of not that he's going to come in and be Tyreek Hill. Obviously, nobody I really can do that. But um, I think you got that kind of speed threat. It's going to open up more things for Odell and Jarvis to hopefully finally um, get them to really click with Baker this year. So I think overall. Um, like I said, I haven't really dug into their like late, late round guys, but I think first three rounds, they got a lot of uh, good value picks for, um, like I said, a team that has turned around and, you know, obviously they're a playoff team last year. I think they're trying to take the next step, and I think uh, those guys are going to bring in some good new talent to help them out here. Yeah, definitely it was like a defensive heavy draft for the Browns, which is where you know their their holes were on defense and and they fixed it with a couple of players that they got um another winner here that i'm going to talk about is the chicago bears and i think you know a little bit different from the browns this was certainly a top heavy draft for the bears you know they didn't have a ton of picks at, at the end of the day but their first two picks in my opinion in my opinion are what make them winners and they actually traded up for both of them, starting in the first round at pick number 11, getting Justin Fields, who, you know, you've heard it from me for a couple of weeks, but I think he's the second best QB in this draft class. So the fact that they were able to get him, even though he was the fourth quarterback off the boards, um, was a win for them just purely for that. And I'll say this, too. I was surprised that it ended up being the Bears. I... I knew that they weren't in love with Andy Dalton. I knew that they would uh, look for a QB elsewhere, but it also, I think is a win for their GM and head coach and that their owner, their ownership is giving them the green light on, okay, you can take a quarterback 
and you can, you know, start from scratch, so to say, with Justin Fields. So they're almost getting like a redo from the Mitch Trubisky thing, which is a win for them. So they get a bit of security now with this rookie quarterback. They can develop him, and in a couple of years, then they'll be on the hot seat if they, you know, aren't aren't making the playoffs. But they have made the playoffs a couple of years and now. So for the Bears, that's a good thing. And then also in the second round, getting Tevin Jenkins, the offensive tackle. I'm I was a little bit surprised to see him slip to the point that he did in the second round, but then the Bears traded up for him, which I think was another smart thing to do. You know, you can't risk him falling all the way to where they were at. Surely somebody would have taken him or somebody would have traded up for him. And I think since lots and lots of people had him going in the first round, it was unlikely for him to go in the late second round. So they traded up for him. And then that resulted in them not having a ton of picks all in all for the draft because they did have to give up a first round pick. You know, they actually... Believe it or not, they made the trade with the Giants, which is another winner on this list. So um, both of those teams end up being winners, which is interesting. But um, but yeah, the Bears, they come away with this draft with a lot better offensive situation. They have the, the QB of the future, and they have an offensive tackle to protect him, who many consider a first-rounder. So for that, I think that, that definitely puts the Bears in the winner's circle for the draft, and if they were right on just those two picks, it's automatically a good draft for the Bears. And now I'll let Connor talk about the Miami Dolphins and why they won the draft also. Yeah, the Miami Dolphins, well, in a way, they won the draft even before the draft happened with the way that they uh, were able to make trades and get certain picks because, you know, a lot of these teams, they have, you know, like one through seven, they'll have like maybe a couple fourth round picks or a couple uh, fifth round picks, but like, you know, only like one first rounder and one second rounder usually. And some teams have no first rounder looking at the Texans and Rams who aren't going to have a first round pick until 2024 or something like that because of all the ridiculous trades they've made. But the Dolphins, they came into this, they had two firsts, two seconds, two thirds and a, or one third and two sevenths. And that was it. No fourth or fifth or sixth. Um, but they really made a lot of good use, especially out of their first and second round picks. Um, obviously, at the start, getting who a lot of us, you know, me and Zach included, thought was the best receiver in the draft, and that was Jalen Waddle. Um, you know, also a good news for the Miami Dolphins getting Waddle. They reunite him with Tua. Um, you know, we kind of saw a lot of that this draft. You know, the Jaguars and the uh, um, there was someone else, another oh uh, the, the Jaguars Bengals. and the Bengals that's right the yeah. Jaguars and the Bengals did that you know the Jaguars paired Lawrence and ETN and the Bengals drafted Jamar Chase to reunite with Joe Burrow um, but the Dolphins got Waddle to reunite with Tua like I said you know they kind of got I think they got the best wide receiver in the draft it definitely fills a need um, you know they need a true number one receiver and Waddle's gonna can come in and do that because you know they brought in Will Fuller Fuller's really more of a you know more of a deep threat, more of a, you know, a a number two receiver and kind of the same thing as Devontae Parker. They're very similar. So they needed a true number one receiver. um, And that's Jalen Waddle. Then with their second pick in the first round, they were able to bring in Jalen Phillips. Um, You know, a lot of people were considering between him and Quiddy Pay as the best edge rushers in the draft. Um, I think it was good on the part of the Dolphins to, you know, a lot of early mocks had them taking Najee Harris in this spot. I think it was good of them to go after an edge rusher rather than a running back, um, especially at number 18 when, 
you know, running back's not your biggest need in the world. Um, you know, the Dolphins are looking to go for, you know, a more pass-heavy offense that coming up here this season. But, um, you know, you can never have too many people to rush the passer, and Jalen Phillips for sure fits that mold because the Dolphins were running low on them. Um, so they got good value in that pick. And then, especially, I thought that their first second-round pick was kind of weird. They took Javon Holland uh, with their first second-round pick when Trevon Morig was still on the board. But, um, you know, who knows? Maybe he's going to turn out to be good. But I really like the value in their second second-round pick, and that was getting Liam Eichenberg out of Notre Dame. Um, this is a guy I really wanted the Steelers to take. Um, but, you know, obviously he didn't make it that far down to us. Um, you know, they need a good offensive tackle to protect Tua. Austin Jackson turned out to be a bit of a bust last year. So it really is important to get another big-time offensive lineman. And while Eichenberg may not have been the best offensive lineman in the draft, you know, he was, you know, on a lot of people's radars. He was on some people's radars to go in the first round even. Um, he was kind of like a early second rounder, possible low first rounder. Um, and the Dolphins were able to get him kind of midway through the second. So um, a lot of good moves for the Dolphins. You know, this team was on the edge of the playoffs last season. You know, they missed out on a tiebreaker basically to the Cleveland Browns. So, um, you know, this team, they're getting all the right pieces in place to put together a playoff run. In my opinion, it's really all just down to Tua at this point. You know, they have the receiver now. They have the defense. They had the defense last year. Um, but, you know, even more so, they have the defense now. And also, they're starting to build an offensive line. So it's all going to be on Tua and how Tua does, whether this team makes the playoffs or not. You know, they passed on taking a quarterback. So, you know, we'll see whether that was a good decision or not coming up here. All right. And then, Eric, you can finish things off and talk about your favorite team, the New York Football Giants. <laughs> Uh, whoa, whoa, <laughs> calm down, man. <laughs> Look, I, I've liked gonna be sleeping on the couch tonight, Eric. <laughs> I've, I've liked talking about them. You know, last year they were kind of a fun story at times, but my fiance is sitting right next to me, basically. She is listening to this, so uh, calm down, man. Like, like Connor said, <laughs> I don't want to be on the couch, so <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I was a big fan though of well, I'm not a fan of the Giants I was a fan of what they did um I think it was pretty obvious that they wanted to get Devontae Smith and when he got sniped right before them I think they made a great move trading down uh, anybody that knows me I'm always a fan of you know if the guy that you want's not there and you don't see value at the pick then try to trade down and get more assets especially if you're a team that's I wouldn't say the Giants are rebuilding, but they're they're still a team that could they need to focus on collecting assets and they did just that. I think the Bears were also a perfect team for them to trade with because with them, at least for now, saying Andy Dalton's the starter and then you know, Fields will probably come in at some point, but he may not be as prepared. There's no guarantee that the Bears are gonna be a great team given you know, the uncertainty of who's going to start a quarterback and everything, there could be a QB controversy there. So if that happens, you know, that first round pick that the Giants got next year could end up actually being a you know decent pick for them. And obviously they'll have their own pick. So they'll have two first rounders next year. And I was, uh, as a Jaguars fan, Zach and I were both 
kind of hoping that the Jaguars would be able to get uh, Kadarius Tony, but the Giants took him, and I think he's going to be a great threat for them to go along with Kenny Galladay. The Giants have been lacking receiving weapons for a good while now, so getting both of them will be good. They'll have Barkley back from injury, so Daniel Jones will have no excuses. You know, he can't say, oh, I didn't have any weapons. I didn't have any weapons. Like, he has weapons now, so he, if it, you know, if he does, it's kind of like how Connor said with the Dolphins, it's all on Tua. The Giants are in a similar position here with Daniel Jones, and I also like the Giants getting uh, Azizo Jalari a little later on. A lot of us, I want to say, all four of us had him projected in the first round, or if not, probably like early second round. So I think the the Giants got a good value there. They already had a pretty. Uh, pretty solid slash like decent defense last year but they spent a lot of draft picks on the defensive side of the ball so their defense should get even better and have more depth as well so i the giants are going to be in an interesting spot next year they're they're going to be a really intriguing team for me to see how they do i'm definitely going to be curious about them for sure all right, and so with every winner, there's a loser. And so now we're going to talk about the, the four losers in the losers club uh, from this draft. And I will start things off gladly to talk about the Houston Texans here on this uh, losers yes! club. Now, <laughs> part, of their, part of this is because kind of like Connor was talking about the hand that they were dealt before. Their obviously picks were very tied with Miami. That was a big reason why Miami was winners and Houston was losers because Miami had so many picks from the Texans. But, you know, even with their five picks that they did have, looking at their draft, none of them really stand out to me. They Their first pick what came in the third round, and they took Davis Mills, the quarterback from Stanford, and... I can't remember if he went before or after uh, Kellen Mond did, but I feel like Mond would after. have been the better pick. It was after Mond. I think Mond went. Mond went to the Vikings at number two in that round. I think. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, there was obviously another tier of quarterbacks, and I would have preferred Trask and Mond to this to this uh, Mills guy, who uh, I guess was a good prospect a long time ago. You know, when he was a senior in high school, but now. You know, he's obviously slipped uh, slipped a bit, and I'm just not... I, I don't think he's the long-term answer for the Texans, and to get really a backup quarterback at this spot when you don't have many picks, I feel like they could have taken a player that would be a starter right away, and it definitely signals the end for Deshaun Watson there. I mean, now it's, you know, the fact that they took a QB at this this high in the draft, and for them their first pick in the draft, it tells you all you need to know. Obviously he has the lawsuits and everything. It's going to be tough for him to play without a suspension, but he's gone. It, that's almost you know certain now. And so they have Tyrod Taylor and this Davis Mills guy. Neither of them inspire anybody. So the Texans whiffed on that pick, I think. And then uh, later down, they get a receiver who was an opt-out and had an injury, I think. And then they got Brevin Jordan, the tight end. And uh, 
a lot of people think it was a reach to get him and they already have he's very similar to the Jordan Akins guy that they are they currently have so not sure with that pick and then some of the other picks uh later in their draft their other couple picks might end up playing just because they're on the Texans but really you know the percentage of getting a good player in those rounds is low so the Texans I I think definitely were big losers in the draft they were one of the worst teams already and usually the worst teams get better after the draft but this is the rare case where they don't and that kind of sums up the Texans draft uh, sorry Texans fans but um, I guess you guys are going to look forward to next year's draft um, and then next, I'll let Nate talk about the Green Bay Packers and why they end up on this losers club also. Yeah, so for the Packers, um, it's not so much that I don't like, you know, all their picks. I think some of the picks are actually uh, pretty decent. It's more so just this draft in the context of uh, the broader issues that are going on with the team and Aaron Rodgers, which we're going to uh, get into a little bit more after after this segment, but, um, like, their first round pick with Eric Stokes, I actually don't, I actually kind of like the pick, I think he was, you know, kind of an underrated guy at corner, and this is a deep draft for that position, so, um, a lot of people are saying it was a reach, um, that's debatable, but I think he could end up being a good corner for them, but the reason that pick, and then, uh, their second round pick have kind of been, you know, criticized so much and why they're one of the losers because um, the whole issue's going on with Aaron Rodgers and him wanting uh, out of Green Bay. It's like you would have thought that Green Bay would have made a little bit more of a effort to kind of, you know, not, not that you should steer your whole franchise around what one player wants, but I thought they would have made a little bit more of an effort to kind of uh, appease him and show they're making an effort to uh, show that he's valued. And then they come out and take a, a, a corner in the first round uh, that's not what most people thought they would do. I thought maybe they'd go receiver or um, even get him, you know, a really high-quality uh, tackle or something like that. But uh, they went corner, which, you know, I guess I was the top guy on their board at that slot, so I can't fault them for it. But uh, I think most people thought they would have gone somewhere else there. And, you know, up and down the board, they got some decent value, but... Uh, the only receiver they ended up taking was Amari Rodgers out of Clemson in the third round. And he's a guy who he was good in college. I uh, had Trevor Lawrence as a quarterback. Um, I don't know how much of an impact he's going to make uh, in the NFL. I think he's uh, got decent speed. Um, he's not a really big guy. Um, opposite Devontae Adams, he should, he should get some good looks. But um, that's not really, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, that doesn't really move the needle for me. Uh, a whole lot, especially with the guys that they could have, you know, made a move for uh, earlier up the board there. So overall, like not a bad draft, not a great uh, draft either. Not no one really is um, really screams like star potential out of the uh, group of guys they ended up with. But um, I think definitely could have been better. And I don't think it's going to do a whole lot to uh, convince Aaron Rodgers that he should stay in the green and gold there but we'll talk about that a little bit more yeah uh, in a few minutes here <laughs> okay um and then another loser and we actually had a saints fan in our live stream chat and he uh i think I, he said i i think it was quote i'm gonna literally cry after the first I round think he also said and i think Dang. he also said quote 
I'm done being a Saints fan. So. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was probably just. I don't, so that, I don't believe that, that but uh, I do believe fresh. he cried. Um, so, Connor, talk about the Saints and, and why they, they had such a bad draft. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess the first part of it would be, obviously, you know, it all starts from the first pick. And, um, you know, even before the draft, I guess before I talk about their first pick, you know, the Saints were trying to trade up. Um, they wanted to get somebody like Patrick Sertain or J.C. Horn or maybe even Caleb Farley. Um you know, obviously cornerback was the biggest need on this team in most of the in the eyes of most of the experts. Um, so they were trying to trade up. That didn't happen. Um, there was a bunch of other trades happening. So but really, I mean, what they did with this pick was just mind boggling. I mean, they took a defensive end, which, you know, I somewhat get it because, you know, it does in some ways fill a need for them because, you know, they lost Trey Hendrickson in the offseason. Um but they took Peyton Turner when you had all these guys, like you had Owe still on the board, you had Rousseau still on the board, you had Ojolari. I know he dropped, I don't you know, because he had the injury concerns, but, you know, still Ojolari. Um, all these great edge rushers that were still on, Joe Tryon was still on the board. You know, all these guys were still here, and they went with Peyton Turner, who wasn't even, you know, graded as a first-round prospect. Um, you know, it... I don't know. It was just mind boggling to me that they took this guy. I remember we were watching the draft. I'm like, oh man, like what are the saints going to do? Because what was it? It was only a few picks before them that, um, you know, it was with Cleveland at pick 26, you know, we were talking with, you know, Seth, the saints fan that was watching the draft with us. And, you know, Caleb Farley went off the board. He's like, all right, well, Farley's gone. Now we just need to get Newsom. Um, you know, if we get Newsom, I'll be okay. But then Newsom went to the Browns at pick 26. So it was like, oh, well, what do you do now? Um, you know, they could have gotten, it might've been a little bit of a reach for them to get Tyson Campbell or, you know, to get Eric Stokes. But, you know, I think they reached even more getting Peyton Turner. Um, I have no idea what exactly the thought process was there. So there was that. So then you get to the second round and again, you know, no cornerback. They take Pete Werner out of Ohio State, which, you know, again, like it fills a, it fills a somewhat need for them, you know, with the linebacker spot. But another big of a reach here, in my opinion, was Zach um, with Pete Werner over here. So then we finally get to the third round where they finally take a corner, Paulson Adebo from Stanford. And it's like, okay, you spent all this time, we went into this draft, corner was your biggest need, and you don't get one until the third round, like late in the third round. So, I don't know. It just seemed like they made a bunch of uninspiring picks, and especially the first round pick, when there were so many other better people available at that position. Um, you know, they went with an un, someone who was virtually unknown. You know, we had a we had a moment like that with the Raiders. I mean, the guy for the that the Raiders took wasn't really unknown, but... You know, Eric will talk about that in a second, but, you know, two of the the two moments in the first round when we all just, like, kind of sat there in disbelief, like, they took who with their pick? Like, so, anytime you have people talking about, you know, how bad your first round pick is, you're clearly a loser in this draft. So, um, not good for the Saints, especially, you know, coming off of a year when they were making the playoffs and they were hoping, like, oh, maybe we can, you know, make another push for the Super Bowl next year if we can get one of our quarterbacks, you know, to fill that good role. But not really off to a good start for the New Orleans Saints here. Uh, 
looking like they might be starting to try to hand the Buccaneers that division crown already. All right, and then to to finish things off, Eric, go ahead and talk about the uh, Las Vegas Raiders and another John Gruden draft that we all scratch our heads at. Yeah, well, you know what they say, uh, Raiders are going to Raider, you know. <laughs> uh, can y'all can y'all hear me? By the way, yeah, I can hear you. Okay, yes, sir. Because my, my I muted earlier, but the icon didn't pop up, and then my phone's been acting kind of weird so i didn't know uh i was like i hope i'm still here but um <laughs> raider's gonna raider i heard that <laughs> yeah so raider, raider, raider's gonna raider and they definitely made a head scratching move uh kind of like what connor talked about with the saints when they took players at positions of need but they didn't take the best available players that were there in that situation and the raiders took uh Alex Leatherwood in the first round, which I don't know, man. I don't really know what they were thinking there. I felt like there were plenty of other good linemen available. And if you were watching the live stream, I remember I saw a stat that came up that had said there was like a 60-something percent chance that he would still be there by the time they had their same pick in the second round. So while that's not a slam dunk. I mean, there was a chance that they could have picked somebody else, you know, best player available or something and still got him later in the second round. If that's who they really wanted to get for their offensive line or what they probably also could have done was, you know, maybe tried to trade down with a team that wanted to move up like the saints or something. Cause we'd heard the saints wanted to move up really badly. Maybe they could have traded down with somebody and accumulated some more assets and then still got Leatherwood. So either way, I think the Leatherwood pick was a big fail. They did get uh, Trayvon Morig, which I did like them getting that pick. That was a steal. But other than that, uh, they really made a lot of bad selections, more reaches in my opinion. Uh, From what I researched, uh, it seemed like a lot of their – mid-round picks a lot of them from the research i've done have like instead of being like third and fourth round grades they had more like fifth sixth and seventh round grades and i don't know man i just i just think this whole draft was a as a whole for the raiders was a big fail but it's if i don't know why it just seems like no matter who the management is for the raiders no matter who the coach is it just it seems like this always happens with them for some reason. I don't, I don't get it. But like I, I mentioned this in the live stream too. You know, when we do our, uh, you know, official mock drafts for our yearly competition to see who can get the most draft picks right. By the time I get to wherever the Raiders selection is, I'm not going to worry about whoever might be the best available player on the board at that time. I'm just going to find some really fast guy or some. <laughs> guy from Clemson <laughs> the third round grade and put him there because that just seems to be I and I, I remember I mentioned it too I was like well I'll only do that you know if they pick outside the top 10 but even the year they had the fourth overall pick they took an edge rusher from Clemson that was nowhere near projected to be a top five pick so even if the Raiders get the first <laughs> overall pick I may have to just put some random person in there I don't know <laughs> they took Cleland Farrell when they could have yeah, taken Josh Allen <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So thank you, Raiders, because Josh Allen's a guy <laughs> thanks to that. So thank yep. you guys. Keep keep raidering over there. 
<laughs> keep raiding i guess is... yeah yeah raid <laughs> ring, i guess that'd make much sense but yeah <laughs> all right uh so moving on from the winners and losers let's let's quickly talk about the five first round qbs and just kind of our thoughts on them and, and their their ceilings floors maybe and when we think they'll start so I'll, we'll go from the first pick to the to the last one here start with trevor lawrence you know, knock on wood, uh, he doesn't get injured. <laughs> um, he's starting week one. There's no question. You know, there, there's not any real debate about that. He'll start week one when he does. And I I really expect him, you know, since he's going to be getting that week one start and with all the weapons that the Jaguars have on offense now with Chark, Chanel, ETN, James Robinson, all these weapons to throw the ball to, Marvin Jones Jr., I think he can win Offensive Rookie of the Year. I think he, I really do think he can. Um, judging by how well he was at Clemson, obviously, if he can carry that over, I don't see any reason why he can't get Rookie of the Year. Um, and honestly, maybe even be fighting for a playoff spot because the division is pretty weak. And they did finish in last place the year before, so they have that easier schedule with the teams that they have to play. So, Eric, are you in agreement with me? Do you think playoffs are like a, a potential for this team? Like they should be in the hunt, you know, when it comes to December. And do you think Trevor should be like the favorite for rookie of the year? Yeah, I mean, I, I think for sure the as of right now, I mean, the odds-on favorites betting rookie of the year would be Trevor and. Zach Wilson because they're the only like for sure bets out of the quarterbacks at least to start right away so I think they would have to be the two odds on favorites to win I'm really hoping the Jaguars can make a push for a playoff spot obviously I don't know if we have enough talent on the team overall just yet I still don't like our tight end position I still don't really love our offensive line although I do think I did think we got a little bit of an upgrade there in the draft but uh, and then we still have, you know, a good amount of holes on defense. I don't know if this team's going to be good enough for that, but I think we're going to be in it a lot longer than we normally are. I mean, as a Jags fan, I mean, my God, we've had so many years where, like, it's only a couple weeks in October, and it's like, well, we're one in five. We're already out of it, basically. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think we're going to – be like out of it that early or anything i think the jaguars will be in contention and i mean and you bring up a great point about the division being weak i mean there so there there is a chance i just i'm not as hopeful i don't every year with the jags i always seem to go into it with way too much optimism I'm like oh <laughs> we got a piece so we're good now and i, I don't want to <laughs> i don't want to make that mistake again but just knowing what trevor's potential is i mean a lot of people say he's Peyton Manning 2.0, but he can also run. And I mean, if he can live up to that, obviously we'll be set for a long time. But I think my favorite thing about Trevor, though, just compared to a lot of other quarterbacks I've seen, even with pro quarterbacks, is like this dude has balls, man. Like Zach and I were watching this clip. I think the Jaguars uploaded it or something, but it was uh, regardless. It was every touchdown that he threw at Clemson. And it was amazing to me how so many of them, he was under pressure as he threw it and still 
put the ball right on the money spot on. And sometimes he was even under pressure getting hit as he threw it. And the receiver was fairly well covered and he still got it in the right spot where only the receiver could get it. I mean, this kid is, he's special. So I do think he's obviously the odds on favorite to win rookie of the year. I hope it happens. And if we can make the playoffs even better, but I obviously excited to have him on the team for sure. Yeah, definitely, man. And then uh, let's go to the number two pick now in the draft, Zach Wilson going to the New York Jets. He's, you know, like Eric said, he's also another case where obvious week one starter, you know, knock on wood for injuries, you know, he will start week one. And I'm not sure. Uh, okay, so my opinions obviously are well known about Zach Wilson, but I'll say, you know, he gets compared to like, Mahomes and Rodgers and stuff like that if he does end up being like that I don't necessarily think it's going to happen his first year I think his first year could be kind of rough the Jets have a bad offensive line not I don't think they have as good of weapons as Jacksonville does I think the team overall is a bit worse so I think I don't know if the Jets are even really going to be in the hunt for a playoff spot but Wilson, I think, should be the second uh, second runner for rookie of the year. Um, Connor, what do you think uh, is gonna? What do you think Wilson's rookie season is gonna be like on this Jets team? Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. It's gonna be rough. I mean, you know, when the best weapon you have on offense is Jamison Crowder, you know, something's wrong. Um, you know, the the Jets basically they have no running back right now. They have, you know, a sub like an average tight end and Chris Herndon. But I mean, the offensive line, I will say it's getting better. I mean, you know, Makai Becton was pretty good last year and they did draft Elijah Vera Tucker, which I think that was a really good move for them to trade back up in the draft to get him um, because they kind of didn't really need another tackle, which I mean, another tackle is always nice. But to trade up and get like the best guard in the draft, um, I think was really good for them because obviously Makai Becton's their number one tackle. So um, but I mean, I think the other thing for him that's going to make it tough, obviously, is, you know, you mentioned the AFC South is, you know, it got weaker. Um, you know, I still say that the Titans and Colts, until I see something, I still say the Titans and Colts are the, you know, top two in the AFC South at the moment, but obviously the Jaguars are right there. The difference is obviously the AFC East is a lot tougher than the AFC South. You know, you've got the Bills obviously coming off an AFC championship game. They really didn't change at all. You know, they pretty much brought everybody back. Um, you know, they they drafted Gregory Rousseau to bump up the pass rush. So the Bills are going to be tough. And the Bills obviously, you know, had the best quarterback in the division in Josh Allen. The Patriots look like they're going to have a resurgence this year. You know, they made a lot of moves in the offseason. You know, who knows if Mac Jones is going to be the starter or not. We'll get to him in a little bit. Um, but the Patriots are going to be much improved this year with all the moves they made in free agency and obviously the dolphins, you know, the dolphins, none of us thought we were, they were going to be that good last year. And, you know, there they were fighting for a playoff spot until the end. So um, he's definitely in a much tougher situation than like Trevor Lawrence is. So he'll struggle for sure. Um, I don't see any way that he takes the crown of rookie of the year from Trevor Lawrence. Um, you know, if anybody's going to take rookie of the year from Trevor Lawrence, in my opinion, it's going to have to be like Kyle Pitts or, uh, Jalen Waddle or someone like that. Um, it's not going to be any one of these quarterbacks, I don't think, because even if, like, for example, 
all the teams on this list, I mean, we'll also, we'll also get to him in a second. Um, but Trey Lance with the 49ers, like, I feel like if the 49ers go on and go to the playoffs and everything, it's not going to be attributed to him. So, um, I, yeah, Zach Wilson's going to struggle for sure. Yeah. And then next on the list is Trey Lance to the 49ers with the third pick. And this is a real interesting spot for him to go to. I feel like, um, I feel like it's almost necessary that he starts right away for them just due to the fact that he didn't play at all last season. And you don't want to necessarily, you know, it's okay. I feel like in the NFL as a QB to wait two years, but when you don't play in college for a year and then you also don't play in the NFL for a year, I feel like you're, you're behind the curve. And I'm always a fan of when you draft these rookie quarterbacks, especially when you trade up to draft them, you, you you put them, you start them right away. You see what you have. Um, It's, I think you owe it to your fans to, to show what you got in the draft and also to the player too. you know, figure out if they're good or not as soon as you can. Don't necessarily move on from them too early, but also, you know, I think for the most part, teams can tell, you can tell Darnold was not going to work. You know, there's other quarterbacks, too, that uh, have quickly ended their careers on their team that drafted them. I feel like the same thing with Lance. We need to figure out quickly. And I think for him, he can do his he can be the best if he starts right away. So that means trading Jimmy Garoppolo ASAP. Um, I don't know where he would be traded to now, but they got to find somebody. Maybe Houston will take him <laughs> at the end of their QB room. Uh, but Nate, what do you think about Trey Lance with the 49ers? Um, I think he's going to be at a disadvantage for rookie of the year because also the offense that San Francisco runs is a run heavy offense. He might have a lot of running plays, but passing wise, I don't see him doing a whole lot. That's just not their offense. And it's also not really his style as much either. So Nate, do you agree with me on that? Yeah, I mean, I think long-term San Francisco is probably the best situation for him because um, he's not a guy who was super high on coming into the draft. I don't think he could have come into a situation like uh, New York or Chicago and really been, uh, really turned him around there. But I think uh, long-term, he'll, he'll, I think he'll be just fine with the 49ers. But like you said, uh, as far as rookie of the year goes, I'm I'm with you. I don't think he's uh, going to be the front runner unless he puts up some huge stats, which... He has the weapons to do it, but I just don't know that uh, the Niners are going to change their game plan and um, put him in a position to throw the ball enough to make it happen. I could see like 20 touchdowns out of him, like a very solid season, but I think um, especially like Lawrence and Fields, those guys are going to have to uh, put up numbers to um, get some wins for their team. So I think they're definitely um, the front runners there. Okay, so let's move on to Justin Fields now, the number four quarterback taken going to the Chicago Bears. And really, this is the big question, and they, we'll do it with these next, the next one also, but Fields, like, when does he start? That That's the question I have for you guys. Like, my guess is going to be in a couple weeks we'll know the NFL schedule, and then we can really look at it and be like, okay, L, 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 <laughs> you know? <laughs> um <laughs> But I'll say, I'll say like week five, 
I think he would start maybe maybe week six or seven if they have like a bye week around there after that's a popular thing after the bye week. You know, if they have a bye week week seven, you know, and then he goes in a week eight or something like that. Connor, are you in agreement with me? Do you think he starts right out of the gate and beats Andy Dalton and takes the job at the start or what? I don't know if he takes the job at the start, but I feel like, you know, you mentioned like week five. I'd say actually probably around like week, I think week, maybe not with the bye week. I mean, it depends on when their bye week is, obviously, because who knows their bye week could be week 12. But um, I I mean, I think like week four to five, just because I feel like what's going to happen is they're going to be looking at these games and they're going to lose. I think they're going to lose some close games and they're going to look back on them and be like, okay, like what can we do to change things? And it's going to be like, okay, well the defense did pretty good. You know, David Montgomery had like a hundred yards rushing, so it wasn't his fault. You know, uh, Allen Robinson was getting open. I think they're going to look back on those games and they're going to be like, well, the reason why we lost was Andy Dalton. <laughs> so, you know, maybe if we throw in, like I said, I think they're going to be close losses. I don't think they're going to get blown out or anything. Because Andy Dalton, you know, he's not as bad as some people think he is. But like I said, he's I think he's going to be the reason. And they're going to think, oh, man, like what happens if we throw fields in here? Because I say they get off to like a one and two, one and three start. And, you know, at that point, it's like, OK, what can we change? Because, again, we know we have players. We have Montgomery. We have Allen Robinson. We have Khalil Mack. Like, you know, we can do stuff. So I think week four or five. All right. And then the fifth and final quarterback taken from the first round here, Mac Jones to Nate's Patriots. So, you know, this one's tough also to predict, but I'm going to, I'm actually going to say and predict that he doesn't play at all unless there's an injury to Cam. And I want to get Nate's reaction to that. Do you agree with that, Nate? Or do you think, uh, do you think that he takes the job over from Cam Newton eventually this season? Um, and is that because Cam's doing bad and the team's doing bad? Because I feel like the Patriots as a team are going to be winning more games and losing. And that's hard to, you know, take the starter out when they're winning more. So I feel like because of that, they're going to have Cam play the whole season. And I think Mac Jones also, too. He, you know, he also, I think, is more suited to be um, like a project, so to say, and have a, a year as a backup. How do you feel about that, Nate? Yeah, so I think it's definitely uh, Cam's job to lose. I think the roster's been built around him. I I do think that Cam's going to have a bounce back year and do very well with, um, you know, way improved weapons and hopefully he's fully healthy this year and um, all that. So I'm totally expecting him to be the starter and, you know, I think it's his, like I said, it's his job to lose. So if he like, you know, if you get to week eight and he sucks and, you know, the team's not really looking great, I think maybe then they'll uh, throw in Mac and see what he can do. But I, I do think I would like I, all things, uh, you know, being optimal. I'd like to see him uh, sit for a season and come out next year with the job. Um, I think he is a guy that's like, he's like raw skills and, uh, talent level, I don't think is as high as uh, Lawrence or Fields or those guys. So I think it's like he's got to really learn the system and uh, be more of that kind of quarterback to really have success in the NFL. But I think if he can, if he can sit, I think it's going to be a great uh, situation for him uh, going into next year. 
All right. So that wraps up the, the quarterback discussion on the draft. And let's get to another news story quickly here. Uh, and that surrounds Aaron, Aaron Rodgers with the Green Bay Packers. You know, on the first day of the draft, that was when all the news is coming out that he was disgruntled with the team. They're not talking. He wants to tra- be traded. All these stories were coming out, and now the draft has come and gone, and he's still with the Packers. What do you think is ultimately the? What do you guys think is ultimately the end game here with this? Uh, let's just kind of vote quickly on it. Like, uh, do you think he's going to get traded this off season? Do you think he plays for the Packers um, this year and then then has moved on? Do you think he like? Play, keeps playing forever with the Packers or do you think like he straight up retires like I saw that as a as a possibility too and goes to Jeopardy so I'll, <laughs> I'll vote that first. Job. <laughs> yeah um and then Eric Connor and Nate can all vote I'm gonna vote that he gets traded this offseason Eric I, I in terms of what I think will happen I vote that he gets traded this offseason also I vote that he's going to stay on the team for one more season and play, but then trade it next off season. Okay. Nate. Um, I think I'm going to vote that he stays. Uh, I'm, I'm with Connor. I think he stays this off season, but I don't think he um, is around past 2021. Okay. So Eric and I, are both agreeing. We think he's going to get traded this off season. Um, I, <laughs> the thing with Aaron Rodgers is, uh, you know, he, he's had, I guess, family issues or whatnot and, and not talking to them. And now he's in, if he's not talking to the Packers, I believe that, you know what I mean? It, it just feels like to me, he's totally done with them. I think he's, He's ready to move. He's ready to move on. First of all, and then second of all, I think the Packers as a team, honestly, are ready to move on as well because they have Jordan Love, and he he sat for a year, so he's ready. He's ready to go. You know, you have the ability to to play, um, to play him at quarterback, and then let's just say you trade him to Denver, and you get like Jerry Judy and some first round picks or something like that, then boom, you're instantly, you get Jerry Judy, let's say to upgrade your offense. And then you have future draft picks. And then you also have your Jordan love, your future quarterback. I think that's a good situation for the Packers themselves to be in for the future. And then Aaron gets to go to his team. He wants, I just feel like this is two sides that don't want to be together. And as much as the Packers say Aaron's our guy, they're just saying that to keep the fans happy, I, I feel like. They're just saying that to appease the fans. I feel like eventually, you know, this is this is new to everybody. So teams will start making offers. And I feel like a team like Denver is going to be a good situation for him to go to. And they're going to have a good good trade offer for Aaron to, to accept and, and the Packers to accept. And that's where he ends up going. I just don't see how after this messy, messy situation that has come out now that he can come back. Um, Connor, why why do you think he goes back to Green Bay for one more year? Well, 
first of all, I think his the fact that he's got like such a short list of teams that he only wants to go to is a bit of an issue because, you know, obviously if you want to get traded from a team like, you know, I don't know, I guess does he have like a no he has like a no trade clause, doesn't he, in his contract? So he has to like Actually I'm I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure might or but might like because but... if he I don't know. If he does, then you know, obviously it's something that he has to accept. But um, you know, Either way, but like, you know, when it, when someone comes out, it's like, oh, I have like a short list of teams I want yeah. to go to. Then like, you know, you pretty much, especially with Rodgers, like you have to, you know, accept that. So I think that's hurting him, first of all, because, you know, if you're if there's only really two AFC, because, you know, the Packers want to trade him out of the NFC, which makes sense. You know, you don't want to go and trade him to like, you know. I don't know, go and trade him to like the, the Vikings or something. Right. Or go and trade him to the um like the Washington football team or anyone like that, because, you know, they're just going to be more competition for you. Um, but he said he only wants to go to the Raiders or the Broncos in the AFC. So, you know, I don't know if the Raiders can really offer enough. Um, like you said, I, I see the Broncos as the only potential suitor, but the problem with that too, is I think we're a little bit too late in the off season for it to really happen because teams at this point, you know, obviously, Teams will make something happen for Aaron Rodgers if a deal comes up because he is Aaron Rodgers. But teams have already like planned out their season now. Like, okay, we went through free agency, we went through the draft, like now we have our plan for the season, and now this is gonna throw a monkey wrench in everything. And the Packers, same with them, like they've made their plan for the season. They weren't planning on Aaron Rodgers not being there. So, you know, they have that issue. And also the other reason why I mentioned to put in my vote that I would say he would still play is because Aaron Rodgers has a ridiculous contract. Like he's going to be making 37 million this year, 39 million next year. If he like, if they don't trade him and he stays on the team and he sits, his trade value is going to drop to zero being that he's 39 years old next coming next season, almost going to be 40 and he's going to be making 39 million a year. Like no one's going to want to trade for that. That's insane. So he if he stays and doesn't get traded, he has to play. Otherwise, the Packers are going to get nothing for him and they're not going to trade him. So um, I don't know. It's just a it's just a rough feeling. But I also kind of feel like this is a repeat of last year. Like it wasn't as hyped up last year, but in a way, I do still think it is like we were hearing all about last year. Like, oh, he's frustrated. They took Jordan Love like Aaron Rodgers wants to leave. And then he went out and, you know, had the season he had MVP season, blah, 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 blah. So I don't know. I feel like some of it's a smokescreen, but, you know, obviously it's getting more attention this year. So, who yeah. knows? <laughs> All right. And then let's go ahead and take a look at how our favorite teams did in the draft and give kind of as a fan reaction to, to the draft halls. And I'll let Eric talk about the Jaguars here. So I know there's a lot of picks, Eric, but just kind of focus on the main ones and kind of your thoughts overall on this first Urban Meyer draft for the Jaguars. Yeah. Well, obviously the given is, you know, thank God we got Trevor Lawrence. Uh, that was the worst <laughs> pick of the draft F rating. Why would you take him? Look, he's got the best arm and the best locks. Okay. So <laughs> but why wouldn't you take Trey Lance if Trey Lance was there? Oh, uh, you know, you know, <laughs> anyway, uh, obviously stoked out Trevor Lawrence on the team. I mean, that was a given, um, but focusing on some of the other picks, the Travis, uh, Etienne pick, I mean, that drew a lot of criticism 
and I also for me, (laughs) yeah. And I, I wasn't really happy with it initially, but I'm not that I'm happy about it now, but I am starting to accept it more. I'm, I'm accepting the fact that we drafted him and I'm actually okay with this now because they can still use both him and James Robinson at the same time. It's not like, Oh, you have to have one on the field and then take him off and bring the other one on the field and do fully running back by committee. Like they can have James Robinson line up in the backfield and put ETN in the slot, or they can do like two running back sets and, cause confusion for the defense i mean i feel like they can use him to cause matchup nightmares for opposing defenses so and plus obviously with him having the chemistry with trevor lawrence being that they played together at clemson i do like that as well i i feel like that'll be a big help for trevor getting comfortable uh in the nfl having somebody playing alongside him that he's already played with before so I'm I'm cool with that. I'm just going to be interesting to see how do they how they utilize them. But at the same time, I there were good offensive linemen that I felt like were available at that spot, or even some defensive players that were available at that spot that maybe I wish they would have taken instead. But I guess they they felt like ETN wouldn't be there by their pick 33, so they wanted to go ahead and get him. So you know if he's their guy that they wanted, I don't fault them for taking him there. And then a couple other things that I like that they did. Um, I like that they took Walker a little from what I've seen of him uh, before his injury. He was a great offensive lineman. I saw this stat. I don't remember how many dropbacks it was, but it was a good amount. And he only gave up four quarterback hits during those plays. So that's really good. And But the, the question obviously is going to be, you know, is he fully recovered from his injury? Is he in a hundred percent, you know, game shape? And then Zach, what was the uh, uh, safety's name from Syracuse that they drafted? Um, uh, Andre Cisco. Andre Cisco. That's right. Yeah. yeah, and he he was in a similar situation as Walker, a little like with an injury situation. Both of them were um, first round talent grades, but then the injuries and everything. So it's going to be a matter of can they get back to their pre-injury form? And if they both can do that, then this will end up being a excellent draft class for the Jaguars if that happens. Um, I will say I hated the, uh, the, Ohio, the Ohio State tight end pick. That was my least favorite pick. I, From what I've seen of him, he's basically a run blocker and doesn't really do much else. And I'm like, well, and we, we have man hurts. We already <laughs> brought in man hurts from Carolina and that's basically what he does. So I guess they're going to do a lot of two tight end sets where they just straight up power running with them on the field. I don't know. I, I don't really, other than the fact that he played with urban, like I don't really see any other connection there and I don't really see how that pick made any sense. So tight end is still obviously a glaring need on this team, but I think overall we got some good talent. We addressed needs. Our secondary was really bad. We drafted a corner and a safety with high round picks. So I'm, even though they, the corner wasn't necessarily the one I would have wanted, but I, you know, I, I do know a Georgia Bulldog fan. I'll have to ask him if he's uh, high on him or not, but um, I, I, 
they've addressed a lot of needs. Obviously, we still have more, but you know, you can only do so much in one off season. And I, I think I don't. I guess maybe we can grade the teams. Like, but for the Jags, uh, I'm going to give them a B, like B to B minus for this draft. Yeah, I'll probably agree with. You. I mean, I'll be a little bit more optimistic just because the weight of Trevor Lawrence is so big. I'll go like B plus. Um, but yeah, the I agree with a lot of things you said there, Eric. Uh, the 49ers fans were warning us beforehand. Trent Valky, our GM, he uh, he has a knack for taking players with ACL injuries, and he did that oh, a no. lot in this drive. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully, those guys though can like recover and get back to what they were before the injury, which I th- I think they can. So uh, I'm optimistic for those people. Um, so Connor. Talk to us about the Steelers draft here. I see a total of nine draft picks they had. So highlight those guys for us and tell tell us your thoughts if you like them or not. Yeah, well, you know, if I was Mel Kuyper or any other NFL draft analyst, I would say that we, again, we were the worst team in the draft, uh, according to a lot of them. Um, I don't think that's the case. If I, I guess I'll give my grade at the end. I mean, I'll start with Najee Harris. Um, you know, Mel Kuyper, especially like, I remember when he was doing his analysis of like, Oh, like I really like Harris. Like he was a great player, blah, blah, but I really, really hate taking running backs in the first round. And I'm like, I, I get that. You know, I get the stigma of taking running backs in the first round, but you know, it was late first round. It's not like we went and got him at like number 12 when someone like, you know, I don't know, Caleb Farley or, you know, uh, Elijah Barrett Tucker or someone was still available at that spot. So, um, you know, we went and got Najee Harris. He, and I will say this too, is that, you know, the Steelers, we needed offensive line at that point. So I, on the draft day, I was a little disappointed. I was like, I thought we, I wanted us to take Tevin Jenkins. But looking back on it, I was like, well, we need a running back. You know, James Conner's not the answer. He's already gone. You know, Benny Snell's definitely not the answer either. So we need a true number one running back. And the case for us, you know, drafting so late, I know that if, we didn't grab him at that spot. There's no way he would have been there by the time we got to our next pick in the second round. Honestly, I don't even think Javante Williams would have been there in our next pick. Like I think Harris, Etienne, and Williams would have all been gone, which I mean they did all go in the draft. But even like different circumstances, I still think all three are gone before it gets to us. So um, it was a good move, in my opinion, by the Steelers to get him. We have our running back. You know, start to try and take some pressure off Ben. The pick that I have the biggest issue with is obviously the Pat Fryermuth pick. Um, you know, he's a he's a great tight end. He you know he was in college. People calling him Baby Gronk. Um, the main problem I have with him is that he's not the greatest blocker in the world. If he was a great blocker, you know, like if he was, you know, a a Van, I don't I'll I guess I'll use a previous Steeler like a, a Vance McDonald type uh, tight end or a. Um, who am I trying to think of? Just like a blocking tight end, you know, who's like also like a decent receiver, then I'd be okay with it. But he seems like he's more on the Eric Ebron side of things than he is on the Vance McDonald side of things, which, you know, Ebron's obviously like, he's one of the worst blocking tight ends in the league. So it doesn't really, in my opinion, solve our, our blocking problems, which is the, obviously the biggest problem for us last season was our offensive line could not run block. They were great pass blockers, but they couldn't run block at all. So I'm not sure how he's going to help too much with that. And also the fact that, you know, Creed Humphrey 
and a couple other guards were still available at that spot, and we passed on them to take Firemuth, and then, of course, they all went. So um, I did take quite a bit of issue with this pick. I don't think a tight end was what we needed at that point. You know, another tight end always helps, but um, not what I wanted. Then moving on to our third pick, um, you know, really the next two picks are the last two that I really know a lot about. Um, Kendrick Green, I actually like this pick a lot. Um, I think he's underrated as an offensive lineman. Um, you know, he's a, you know, getting a, getting a guard, another run blocker is important for us. Um, cause I feel like much to Steelers fans is, you know, chagrin or disbelief. I think we have the tackle situation on our team settled, you know, Chakuma or Korofor was a good as a rookie last year. Um, and then we have as long as as long as Zach Banner stays healthy, he's going to be our other tackle. So I think that's fine. So I think getting a guard first, a guard slash center was important, and getting Kendrick Green helps there. Um, and then also on our our next pick after that, Dan Moore, who's an offensive tackle. A lot of people, I know they had him rated pretty low. Um, I'm not sure why they had him rated really low, just because. You know, he came from a Texas A&M squad that gave up the least amount of stacks, at least amount of sacks and the least amount of tackles for loss in the country last season. And, you know, obviously being an SEC team, they're playing against high level talent. It's not like, you know, they gave up the least amount of sacks and least tackles for loss. And he's over here playing for like, you know, I don't know. UAB or something like that. And they're playing, you know, conference USA talent every week. They're playing SEC talent every week. So, you know, and a lot of these edge rushers that got taken in the first and second round were coming after his quarterback and he was able to stop them. So I like this pick. I think it's a double of really good value pick for us. The rest of them, I'm kind of disappointed. We didn't take more offensive linemen because basically the offensive linemen stopped after more. Like we took a linebacker, we took a defensive end, we took another linebacker, we took a safety, and then we took a punter with our last pick, which, I mean, you know, whatever, it's the last pick. Like, who cares? Might as well go after and get a punter. But, um, yeah, I just wish we would have gotten more offensive line. I wish we would have, you know, I probably would have felt a lot better, like, with this draft class if, like, keep everything the same, except instead of Pratt Firemuth, put Creed Humphrey there. And then I think we have, like, a B-plus, A-minus draft class. Without that, though, with getting Pat Firemuth there at number two in the second round, I'm probably going to put this at a B, B minus, like kind of what Eric did with the Jaguars, um, putting it on the lower end. Like, I'm still happy with it, but that Firemuth pick really irks me a lot. All right. And then to wrap things up, uh, let's let's hear from Nate talking about the Patriots picks and their draft class uh, with two Alabama picks at the first two rounds. Yeah, so I think overall, I'm pretty happy with the draft they had. Uh, if you listened to our live stream last Thursday, you know I was um, a little bit um, unsure about the Mac Jones pick at number 15. Um, I've thought about it. Obviously, I've had a whole weekend to think about it. And I'm pretty happy with this pick all in all. I mean, I think he wasn't my top guy coming. I did really want fields for the patch after those rumors that they were going to trade up in the uh, – top 10 to go after him but um having a few days to think about it i am i think it's probably you know best case scenarios that they um got a guy who seems like he was belichick's guy all along maybe um and they didn't even have to trade up uh give up any picks or other capital to trade up for him so 
I think that I'm I'm going to count that as a win for him. Um, I think that's a guy who definitely could uh, become a pretty solid franchise quarterback with a good roster around him, which is what the Pats have been building. Um, and then going to the next couple of rounds, I think they got some good uh, young talent for their D-line. I think it's going to help a lot to have those guys rotate in, especially Barmore. That's someone who was mocked by a lot of people going to the first round. Um, he's got, I, I thought was going to be a first rounder, and I'm glad they traded up for him. Um, went and got their guy there, and I think um, both him and Perkins are gonna. This is good to have fresh legs, uh, fresh young guys to be on the D line to rotate in, and um, you know, I think that front seven is gonna be pretty solid this year, especially. Um, also, Cameron McGrone's pick I'm, I was excited about too. I think he only played like 17 games total at Michigan, uh, and he had an injury last year, so I know that's why he fell a little bit. But if he can um, really develop under um, you know, if he can really come to the Pats and develop, which I think is a great possibility with uh, Belichick's defensive background, and um, he's got Gerard Mayo on the staff. Um, all those guys can really coach his kid up, and he could be a really uh, he could be a steal in the fifth round. He's got great closing speed and uh, abilities, and um, I think that's a guy that could be probably a steal of the draft for the Pats here, and then. Um, yeah, I think overall it's pretty good value. Mac Jones is obviously the highlight. Uh, Barmore's, you know, most people think he could be a stud, but uh, after that, basically, is good value and depth. And uh, I think the roster is really coming together now. They're basically got depth at um, most positions, and I'm looking forward to see what they do. You know, what they do with all this talent now. Yeah, definitely. So it sounds like we we all have, you know, optimism for our teams after the draft uh, with some of their picks. I mean, heck, Connor, if Pat Fryermuth is baby Gronk, if that's real, man, that's that's a steal to get. Uh, if, he can, if he can develop develop that blocking. Yeah, obviously, he you'd have to have be blocking to be a baby Gronk. But uh, yeah, so I uh, think thanks to everybody for listening and watching this episode. Hopefully you enjoyed this was all about the draft, and for next week's episode, a, a quick preview. We are going to go back in time to 2020 and look at the mock draft that we made back in 2020. Uh, don't even mention 2020. That's like yeah, a swear know, word at this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's what we're going to do. We'll also go around the hoop and talk some basketball before the playoffs start, so that's going to be fun as well. Hopefully you tune in to that. And until then, guys, remember, be clutch. Bye. Yeah. Peace.